Stories from California Cattle Country is produced by the California Cattlemen's Foundation and receives support from the California Cattle Council. We've created this podcast for those wanting to connect with the people and practices of far-flung ranches and dairies in California through hearing stories from and learning more about the families in cattle country. UC Davis was founded as an agricultural branch of the University of California system in 1905. It's the northernmost university in the system and houses the largest veterinary school in the United States. The campus is noted for its top-rated agricultural and resource economics programs and the large Department of Animal Science, through which the students can study at the university's own on-campus dairy, meat processing plant, equestrian facility, and experimental farm. The school, like many other University of California system schools, is considered a public ivy, a term for colleges and universities that provide an Ivy League-like collegiate experience. The beef cattle facilities are part of the Animal Sciences Department and located just west of the campus. It's there where we linked up with Marisha Fisher, the beef cattle facilities manager, to talk about the role of the feedlot in the supply chain and how the university feedlot benefits students and the general public. I'm Ryan Donahue, and this is Stories from California Cattle Country. One of my biggest misconceptions when I started this podcast from a non-agricultural background was the attention that ranchers pay to cow stress. All the evidence I've seen is that ranchers love and respect the animals in their care. It also makes business sense. And stressed cows are bad for business. This is a bit of a tangent, but I think it's worth mentioning. I was doing a story on a ranch way up in the almost Oregon part of Northern California and overheard a rancher talking about how a predator had taken one of his calves overnight. We were visiting a large ranch. We're occasionally losing calves to disease and accidents. While unfortunate, it wasn't uncommon. I was confused why a single lost calf warranted a conversation at the breakfast table. What I didn't understand was the effect that the predation had on the herd. Cows are surprisingly intelligent, especially when it comes to survival. They're alert and possess acute senses of sight and hearing. The effect of the predation on the herd was psychological. Sensing that there was a predator present changed their behavior. The herd was less likely to move to feed and water, and the stress directly affected their health, therefore production. I then realized that the cow-cowboy relationship was also hinged on trust, and that the comfort of the herd is critical. From what I've seen, this attention to comfort is considered in all facets of the supply chain, including feedlots. Californians are most likely familiar feedlots when driving down I-5 through Coalinga, past the sprawling feedlot once owned by Harris Ranch, which has since been sold to Central Valley Meat. And maybe most people aren't even aware what the facility does, other than produce a potent kind of agricultural fragrance. So just hit your AC recirculation button on your dash and allow me to sum up a little bit. Ranches typically raise cows from birth to an age of about one year. At this point, the animals are moved to a feedlot to be fed a diet that transitions them from forage, basically grasses, to one higher in protein with more grain. So why? There are a few reasons. One is that a feedlot nutritionist can formulate a diet that allows the animals to safely gain weight while being monitored. Another is that consumers have preferences, and some prefer the taste and quality of grain-finished meat. Other customers may prefer grass-finished beef, which tends to run leaner. Grass-finished animals put on weight more slowly, and typically go directly from the ranch to a packing facility, skipping the feedlot. Feedlots are fundamentally different from ranches in that the food is brought to the cows opposed to the animals grazing. On a ranch, each cow needs about an acre to graze, where on a feedlot, a ration developed by a nutritionist is delivered directly to the cows. The feedlot also allows for the animals to be more closely monitored as they're in a centralized location, opposed to spread out on larger pastures. Before we hear from Marissa, it might behoove us to review a few ranching terms. First, feedlot. The type of farm operation that finishes livestock to harvest for meat, the heifer, which is a young female cow, 
A replacement heifer is a young female that is raised with the intention of entering the cow herd. And a steer, which is a young neutered male cattle primarily raised for beef. Marissa Fisher, Beef Operations Manager. At? UC Davis. <laughs> My official title is Beef Operations Manager. So I oversee the feed mill, the feedlot, both purebred herds, as well as the commercial herd. Um, I oversee three different employees and a whole gang of students, um, both graduate and undergraduate. Um, my job is overall management, but also down to the nitty gritty details as well. Um, I try to offer a production practical aspect to a lot of the research projects to make sure that they are functional um, and that they make sense for the time of year that we are in and that logistically we will be able to um, facilitate all the requests that are being made. I'm also the one that procures the cattle, whether it's cattle we have raised ourselves or if we go out and buy cattle from other ranchers uh, and ranching families within the West Coast um, or further, I am in charge of ordering commodities and making sure feed is made efficiently and correctly. I'm in charge of scheduling processing, overseeing students, teaching labs, teaching classes. So um, I would say jack, jack of a few trades. Um, and trying to keep my head above water most days, really. Um, and then obviously the most important part would be taking care of the cattle themselves and making sure they're well cared for. But that part comes pretty easy and pretty naturally. Is this a feedlot? Yes. Okay. It's just an area or a facility where cattle are in pens in a concentrated feed area. So we're able to feed a large amount of cattle in a smaller area than typical rangeland, um, but we are able to also manage them to a higher degree than your day-to-day -day operation out on the native range. So we see the cattle multiple times a day. We're able to walk into the pens with them and observe each and every one of them multiple times a day. They get two to three fresh meals a day, a day of feed uh, made by a nutritionist, and they have vets on staff as well as clean water delivered every day and cleaned every day. So um, really they have a pretty good life. can tell you that every morning and every evening when it starts to cool off, after those cattle have eaten, they're doing hot laps in the pen like puppies would. So they, they're pretty darn happy. The feedlot here, would you say that it's comparable to a, a normal feedlot or is it more just like is it is it more of an educational facility i'd say it's a combination of both if you take harris ranch and shrink ray it by a large degree we are trying to replicate commercial feed yards obviously mostly in california but be relevant in the midwest as well just on a smaller scale with the added components of research and education, um, which of course change a little bit from a commercial yard. But whether it's the research projects we're doing or what we're teaching in our classes and laboratories, we're really trying to replicate what a commercial yard would do and look like just on a smaller scale, more intense scale. We have a commercial cow-calf herd ran up in Browns Valley. And then we have the feedlot here um, where we bring in mostly feeder steers, but also develop some replacement females as well. Um, and some bulls. And then uh, we have a purebred Angus herd and a purebred Hereford herd as well, cow-calf herd. And that's run here on campus as well as at Folsom Prison and Vacaville Prison. The cattle that come in here, for a, they're only here for a short duration. So anywhere from 90 to 180 days would be the time period that they're in here. Uh, the replacement females that are being developed would be here 
closer to the 60 to 90 day mark, whereas the finishing steers that are here or the feeder finishing heifers, they'd be here from 120 to 150 days on average. The feedlot in general is typically a high turnover in terms of how cattle come in and come out. More than likely, once cattle leave, they're not coming back. Um, whereas on the rangeland, that's typically where they sp- the calves are there for a short duration, but the females might come back and the mature cows stay. Do the animals like the food? Oh, absolutely. They have the uh, nutritionist balances their diet to make sure that they get exactly what they need nutritionally, which I can tell you is a lot better than the York peppermint patty and the Red Bull I had for lunch today um, and the two cups of coffee for breakfast. So a lot more balanced than mine. They get fresh feed made every day and delivered twice a day, 6.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. And they have their bunks read, which just means that basically we'll look at their plate and see if they've either licked it clean or left a little behind, and we either give them more or a little less to fit their needs the following day. They all share basically the big platter, but they all have access to the bunk at the same time. They don't have to wait turns to come up and eat. They can all eat at the same time if they so choose, which usually they do like to. All of our hay is grown here on campus, as well as multiple other of our commodities as well. Sometimes we'll have, um, seasonally, we'll have uh, wet brewer's grain from uh, different breweries in in the Davis area um, that's able to be used, as well as other byproducts like almond hulls or almond shells are used for bedding. We have rice hulls that we use for beddings as well, so we definitely try to bring in those extra byproducts to make us more sustainable and efficient. You definitely come from ag, at least, because like almond. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're almond. An I'm an almond. You're an yeah. Almond I'm an almond. I'm not an almond. I'm <laughs> an almond. <laughs> so obviously this is an audio recording and like we're walking right now down like a line of animals and we haven't heard one sound. And oh, I always, no. I always kind of joke. It's like, can I just get a moo? Like from one <laughs> of you, like, you know, just for, for B-roll. Right. And it never happens. But like, yeah, we're, we're walking up on a, are these the Herefords on this side? Um, these are, some of, they're crossbred, so they're Angus Hereford crosses. Okay. Um, but you'll see a little bit speckled in throughout whether, the vast majority of the breeds we have here are typically Angus and Angus Hereford crosses, just because that's what's really prevalent in the beef industry, especially here on the West Coast. So our research projects typically tend to mimic those um, and try to reflect and be as accurate as possible um, to what's relevant in the industry whereas we see on our left are obviously largely angus steers so with let's say these animals right here can you just like give me their like i don't know if it's like a spa day but like what their (laughs) no what their day is like where do they wake up and so they they eat sleep drink uh, chew their cud that's about it all day, every day. They really don't have much requirements of them other than to just hang out, stay healthy, enjoy fresh meals twice a day. Uh, we do check weigh them, so we monitor their uh, weight and performance and make sure that they are staying healthy and uh, you know be able to monitor based on what they're eating, you know, your average daily gain or um, if they're eating a special diet, is it efficient? What's your cost to gain? Things like that. Um, we also do health checks, so we walk through them every morning. Um, so they uh, they get pretty darn used to people by the time that they've been here for a little yeah. while. When that feed truck comes around in about an hour, we could all sit on the bunk and they'd probably come eat with okay, us yeah. just because they really enjoy their food that much, but they've already finished their breakfast. So, If you were working just on a, a production feedlot versus sure. working in, in a college one, are there, are there big differences? Yeah, so here at UC Davis, we have a very, very large emphasis on research. 
So the types of research we do here are quite arrayed. Um, it'll go anywhere from reproduction and embryo transfers to um, feed and performance data on feedlot cattle to greenhouse gas emissions based on what the cattle are eating, um, behavior research. So I would say that that would definitely set us apart from your typical commercial feed yard, just that we focus so heavily on research. And then also the teaching aspect of it. You know, we have 1,400 animal science majors in the College of Ag here at UC Davis, and we see almost all of them come through here um, at one point or another. It might just be for one class, or they might be um, an intern, or a student resident, or a student employee, or a volunteer, um, or a veterinary student. We work close with the vet school as well. So I would say that the student interaction is much different than a typical commercial yard, um, as well as our teaching and research aspect that um, really kind of makes us our own unique facility. Sorry, so I see some of them. I mean, you guys have your own brand, yeah? Yeah, like UC yeah the brand? UC bar on the right hip. So that is the brand registered to us um, through the state of California. So cattle that we own get that brand on their right hip. Yeah. And to reiterate, not one moo. <laughs> standing, I'm standing eight feet away from a bunch of cows. <laughs> Haven't heard anything. Happy cows or quiet cows? The only feedlot experience I've had in my life up until probably today is at Harris Ranch, driving by Harris Ranch, right? right? When we go to dairies often, they're like, actually, when you drive by a big dairy and you smell stuff, you're smelling the feed. Yeah, I mean, it would definitely be part of the feed. And then you can think of it as also processed feed when it's, you know, after they chew it and it comes out the other end, that that's something that you're going to absolutely smell. But it's also something to remember that that doesn't mean that that's what they're living in. The cleaning, we like, for example, here, we clean pens once a week and all of that is hauled off to be compost. So it's not wasted, it's used. Um, and that's obviously part of the smell, but part of it is the feed too. And especially feed mill, that that's a smell that most people aren't used to. The other thing is like the kind of the beauty of the digestive system of these animals. Absolutely. They're taking just green, just green stuff yep. and they're making all of this. They're massive animals. Like, yep. and that's, you know, you can't do that. No, and, yeah. You know, so that's why they have a bunch of stomachs and. Right, yeah. They take products that are unusable by humans and create a high quality protein as well as other byproducts that I think that maybe we forget about that we use day to day. Of all of them, is this just a, an older group than the ones we saw down there? So um, they're pretty friendly because all but the, her are halter broke because our students had a showmanship competition oh. on campus, and so they had to halt to break them themselves, which was quite the rodeo. Um, highly entertaining. <laughs> um, so I, I wouldn't necessarily go put a halter on them and be able to walk them around now. It's been a while, um, but that's why they're extremely friendly, and uh, they think it's about lunchtime because they've yeah. finished, their, uh, they finished their breakfast. Other, like you said, other than being able to expose students in our next generation to something that the large majority of them haven't ever had the opportunity to do before, um, I have to go back to the research and what the information is giving back to the industry, whether it be 
sorting techniques um, in order to make feedlots more efficient or feeding practices or behaviors that are going to be able, behavior results that are going to be able to be applied um, in the industry or um, obviously a hot topic right now would be all the greenhouse gas emissions and so actually these big bubbles that we're standing in front of right now, cattle are going to go into them on the 4th of July and they are cattle pens inside of there and so those flaps that you see will lift up and we're able to deliver a feed into there and then once it's all shut down all those tubes run back to that fan the little modular trailer down there with the fancy equipment and we're able to measure various greenhouse gas emissions and the cattle will be on different diets so we'll be able to compare those to the ambient which is outside and then in comparison to the cattle inside they'll be in there for a set period and then come out it'll all be cleaned out fresh dirt will be brought in and then cattle will go back in for a second period on this upcoming trial i think the bubbles themselves are pretty unique to uc davis yeah. um this would be a dr frank mitliner project so these are his bubbles and his graduate student will be the one doing this upcoming project i'm hoping that all of this comes out with meaningful data that is able to be applied practically somehow in the beef industry, obviously specifically California, to either influence laws and policy that'll help our producers um, continue to operate in the state um, and or improve production practices. But I think just reiterating the fact that they have an amazing life here and they are very well taken care of. And that a feedlot isn't a place to think of negatively. I think it has kind of a negative connotation from someone who doesn't understand. And hey, there's a lot of things that I don't understand about other parts of life that I would need um, some explaining, right? You know, reminding people that it might be a learning curve just because you're not familiar with it though, doesn't mean that it's bad or that it's something to think of negatively. If you'd like to see photographs of our visit, including pictures of a cheeky cow sneaking up on me when I was taking pictures, visit www.cowcattlecouncil.org. If you want a glimpse into our travels, we started an Instagram account at cowcattlecountry. If there's something you'd like to hear on stories from California cattle country, you can contact me directly at ryan at cowcattle.org or leave comments on our various social media posts. The only one that we might get to move is uh, Mr. Whalen. That is our bottle calf. He was a twin, so he's very friendly. Oh, he's fun, Kenny. Yeah. Hey, where are we? Uh, uh, Closest thing to a meal. <laughs> we'll be back in two weeks. Thanks for listening.